0: Good morning to all of you who are with us online. Every week, there's so many of you that are viewing from home or on the road. It is good to be with you as well. Thank you to Pastor Dave for that inspiring message about our campaign. Um, Last hour, I announced two uh, bits of really good news. Would you like to hear it? Here's the first one. December is a really important month for us in keeping up with our fiscal year budget. And we made budget in December. That's a big deal. And the second thing I told last service is that we have $897,000 of our campaign in. Um, That's $43,000 short of paying our mortgage. This is huge news that as a church, we can be debt free. I also said last hour, Um, if anybody would like to write a $43,000 check and get us up to the 940, which is what we owe on the building, the campaign's 1.4, because we're doing significant work with Bixby Outreach Center, as well as Mission of Hope in Haiti and the Dominican Republic. I said, we'd be glad to have a $43,000 check from every section last service. Um, I don't really know what happened, but I got this text in between services from our controller, Melanie, and she said, we have enough to pay off the note. We have $951,400. Therefore, we're gonna get out of our debt so that we can free up resources to do more ministry and more mission. This is enormous thank you. I applaud you as a church for being all in this and helping us meet our goals. There are still more goals to meet. The goal is 1.4. We're at 950. We're almost there. Let's keep giving generously and praise God for this campaign. We're beginning a new series in this new year called Asking for a Friend. And our hope is to tackle some difficult spiritual questions, questions that you have maybe wrestled with over the course of your life, questions that you may still wrestle to understand, questions that even cause disagreement in places of worship. Before I begin, I want to make one thing crystal clear. Redeemer is a safe space to ask questions because no one has all the answers. Refrain from elbowing your neighbor but I made this point clear because I think there are a few of us in every place of worship who think we know it all. Sorry to be the bearer of this news, you don't. So this is a safe space to ask questions. If you do look to your left and your right, you will see fellow pilgrims on this spiritual journey of discovery, a journey where questions are welcomed and encouraged. I love this quote from Caroline Westerhoff. I read it many years ago. Our danger lies in questioning too little rather than too much. Do you ever think I'm questioning too much, right? And you think, wow, I've really probably worn God out by now. I promise you he can handle it. Our danger lies in questioning too little rather than too much. After all, our questions can be the voice of God, he can speak to us through our questions. I agree with Caroline, so may the Lord come and speak to each of us as we wrestle with hard questions in this series. We're coming out of the gate swinging with today's question. Why does a loving God allow us to suffer? I preach this with a heavy heart today because as one of your pastors, very few people just call to hang out with me. (laughs) It's great. Typically, I'm sitting with people who are suffering, who are really sitting in some sort of pit And you know, I don't always have the answer how to get people out. So I just sit in the pit with them. But as I look at your faces, many of you have shared what you're currently walking through. And it's heavy. I preach this today with a heavy heart because you've shared your heaviness with me you've shared with me what's hard right now and what's messy in life. As we sang the lyrics earlier, I'm gonna sing in the middle of the storm, right? Louder and louder. You're gonna hear my praises roar. Maybe that's not true for you. That's okay. Maybe your your singing is getting quieter right now. Because you're just walking through a lot. And you don't really want to sing. This is hard stuff. Our questions about suffering and pain and grief and loss have perplexed humanity throughout history. Ancient Jewish writers interpreted Israel's suffering as God's punishment for sin. Ancient philosophers argued that suffering isn't really all that bad, it's just an opportunity to reveal your moral character. Hindus explain that karma brings physical and mental suffering that people just have to accept and endure. Modern secular thinkers conclude that God really can't help us and we just need to deal with our pain. Endure it. And you might be familiar with C.S. Lewis and his work, Following the tragic death of his wife, he wrote an unflinchingly honest record of how a believer can lose all sense of meaning during a time of grief and pain. Listen to his words. Where is God? When you're happy, so happy that you have no sense of needing him, so happy that you're tempted to feel his claims upon your life as an interruption. If you remember yourself and turn to him with gratitude and praise, you'll be welcomed with open arms. But go to him when your need is desperate, when all other help is vain. And what do you find? A door slammed in your face and a sound of bolting and double bolting on the inside. And after that silence, You may as well turn away. The longer you wait, the more emphatic the silence will become. There are no lights in the windows. It might be an empty house. Was it ever inhabited? It seems so once. Why is he so present in our time of prosperity and so very absent in our time of trouble? That's heavy. But these are real feelings that C.S. Lewis had. And feelings that maybe you can relate to as you've endured trials of many kinds. I shared all of those differing perspectives as evidence. Evidence that if you put 100 people, even Christians, 100 Christians in a room together, you might hear 100 different perspectives or interpretations of the purpose of suffering and pain and grief and loss. We just see things different ways. I'm sure about one thing, and that's that if given the chance, we would all love to avoid suffering. This hit close to home this week. I'm going to be very transparent with you. Um, Well, I'm a pastor, so I live in a glass house anyway. (laughs) But uh, found out this week that I get to, and I say get to because I'm working on my attitude. It's not what I have to do, it's what I get to do. I get to check in tomorrow at the hospital for a medical procedure. I don't wanna go. Surprise, surprise. And I was just telling my doctor, here, I just, I'm just nervous. I don't want to do it. My calling to ministry has me visiting hospitals frequently. It's part of being a pastor. I don't want to go as a patient. Also, this, this week, um, <clears throat> we brought a new puppy home and unfortunately had to rush her late one evening to the vet. In such a hurry, I forgot to put on shoes, forgot my wallet. Um, It was kind of a blur. And when the doctor came in to give us an update, you might imagine what my first question was. Maybe you've asked the same question for a pet before. Is she suffering? Just wanted to know if she was suffering. So unfortunately, our puppy didn't make it. And we're still very shocked and sad as a family. Sad for my kids. It helped our healing process that not long after she passed, my wife put the kids in the car and drove to Ufala and bought the puppy sister. <clears throat> I don't tell you these things about me going in tomorrow and what happened to our puppy to turn any attention onto my family. I don't tell you this to ask for your sympathy. I just tell you this to relate to you. I don't wanna go to the hospital tomorrow and I'm sad about the dog. And if we could, we would avoid suffering. In hindsight, I recognize my instinct was to ask that question. Is she suffering? Whether it's your life, your loved one, complete stranger, or a puppy. which just, just Suffering doesn't sit right with us, but when we read our Bibles, suffering should not be all that surprising to us. It is an inevitable reality of life. So instead of resisting it, I have a crazy idea for you today. What if we embraced it instead? Instead of resisting suffering, what if we embraced it instead? By embracing suffering, I'm talking about adopting the following perspective. God doesn't want to hurt me. Please hear this. Some of you need to hear this today Maybe because of something that you were taught earlier in your Christian walk or as a child that God's angry at you and wants to punish you. God doesn't wanna hurt you. I'm proof of this. I am a father of four children. I'm made in God's image and I have zero desire to hurt my kids. I want my kids to be safe, secure, whole, God doesn't want to hurt me, but he will use my hurts for my growth and my good. He will use our hurts for our growth and our good. If we can adopt that perspective and embrace suffering, the Bible tells us a few outcomes that we can expect. Deep breath, everyone. Now we're getting into Scripture. Number one, suffering conforms us to Christ Philippians 3, 10, and 11 says, I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Let me talk for a moment about our fellowship with Jesus. If we take time, if you sat down and took adequate time to meditate on all that Jesus went through, all of his suffering, that we read in the Gospels, if you actually took time to meditate on that, you would probably grow in your sympathy for him. Even though it was the plan all along for our redemption, even though it was out of love, We would still have sympathy for Jesus. The same is true when Jesus looks at you and your suffering and your grief and your pain. Jesus feels it. He hurts for you and with you. And Hebrews 4.15 tells us that he's touched with the feeling of our iniquities. He's touched. He suffered. We suffer. We are united in suffering with Christ. We can look at it as a fellowship of suffering. And there might have been days at some point in your life or there might be days in your future where you would cry out, God, where are you? Or you would say, like C.S. Lewis, it just feels like when I approach God, I have the door shut in my face and the lights are turned off and I wonder, is anybody even there? That may be your feeling your reality in a time of suffering. But brothers and sisters, I want to remind you today that God's answer to our suffering is that he jumped right into the middle of it. He's not watching you suffer from a distance. He's present. Jesus is there. Always there. Jesus is present in every hospital room, Every operating room, every prison cell, every battlefield at war, every genocide, every concentration camp, every orphanage, every accident, Jesus is present. Paul said, I wanna know Christ, But in order to know the power of his resurrection, we must also participate in his suffering. And as we do, we are conformed to him. Number two, suffering completes us. James 1, 2 through 4 says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because you know, you know, that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. In 1996, Gracie Films and TriStar Pictures released an outstanding movie. A masterful combination of romance, comedy, drama, and sports. A masterful combination of Tom Cruise, Cuba Gooding Jr., and Rene Zellweger. You know what movie I'm talking about? Go ahead, yeah. See, this is proof. You you can talk back in church. It's good. You may remember Jerry Maguire, and there's this scene where Tom Cruise has these misty eyes, and he looks at Renee Zellweger and he says, I love you. Do you remember what he said after he said, I love you? Go ahead. You complete me. It's ridiculous. I understand what woman would not want to hear these things from Tom Cruise. I get it. (laughs) It's just ridiculous. Now, if you are a strong believer in Gracie films and TriStar pictures, then perhaps it makes sense to you that the love of your soulmate can complete you. If you are a Christ follower, it is the trials of this life that complete us. They test our faith. They produce our perseverance. And that perseverance goes on and finishes its work so that we may be what? Mature, complete, not lacking anything. Another way of reading James chapter one, consider it pure joy or consider it a gift to your life when tests and challenges And hardships come at you from every angle. And under that pressure, something miraculous can happen. Don't try to get out of it prematurely, but let it do its work. And as a result, the promise is clear. You're going to be more mature than you were before. You're going to be more complete, more developed, more whole as a person than you were before and you will not be deficient in any way. God will deposit something in your life through every trial, which means that he's giving us something that we lacked. You're made more mature. You're made more complete. You're given something that you lacked. Hear me loud and clear. It is not Tom Cruise. It is the work of the Holy Spirit that completes us. I hope Tom Cruise is watching online. (laughs) I stand by what I said. Number three, suffering produces hope. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Romans 5, three through five. God is revealing a production line here. Suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character. Character produces hope. That is something so radically unique about God. Only God can do this. God uses hurts to shape hope. God uses your hurt. He's doing something through your hurts. He doesn't want to hurt you, but he will certainly not waste them. He will use them to shape our hope. Our ultimate hope is the resurrection of the body and the deliverance, ultimate deliverance from all hurt, all pain. And that is the perfect transition to my fourth and final point today. Suffering will one day end. For those of you who are not listening to me, I said suffering will one day end. Amen. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself, this is his work, this is his business. He doesn't send anybody else, it's him himself will restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you, First Peter 5.10. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us, Romans 8.18. And he's gonna wipe every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more, neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away, Revelation 21.4. And as I think about Revelation 21, four, here's where I think, if this life, if, if right here, right now, today and tomorrow had no tears, had no death, had no mourning, had no crying, and had no pain, then don't you think we would desire heaven less? Our longing for the life to come can be rooted in how vastly different that life will be from this. It's why we remind ourselves that this isn't home. we got to get ready to go to home. He's prepared a place for us. So with that promise that suffering will one day end, I'm going to ask you to do something. And as one of your pastors, I'm digging deep right now. This is the best I got. As good as I got right here. On hard days and on days where you feel like that 98 mile an hour fastball is coming right at you. Here's my my encouragement. Hang in there. Hang in there. And if you need help hanging in there, phone a friend, phone a pastor, phone a small group, phone a neighbor. You're not supposed to hang in there alone. God created and designed this brilliant thing called community. So when it's hard to hang in there, lean on somebody. Come up here to the church, walk in the office door and shout, I'm having a horrible day. And I promise you somebody's gonna walk right at you. Our care team has um, trained lay pastors in this church that are ready to walk with you. Call us. Don't walk this alone. Guys, it's been a, just an awful week for my family. It's, it's, it's been awful. And one of the finest moments of this week was when Jennifer walked in my office with a big bowl of chicken noodle soup. Serious. See, she did not come into our struggle to fix it. She did not show up to explain it to me or to spiritualize it or to even sit down and pray it away. You know what she did? She brought soup. And that's called ministry of presence. So if you have that great privilege and your phone rings and somebody says, I need you you to come sit with me, go sit quietly. Don't try to fix it or explain it away or pray it away. Just be with one another. So I'm going to change that last point that said hang in there to make it more appropriate for us. As a Christian family, let's all hang in there together. We need each other. I need you. We need one another. Mother Teresa once said, in light of heaven, the worst suffering on earth, a life full of the most atrocious tortures on earth will be seen to be no more serious than one night in an inconvenient hotel. So one day we're all gonna turn in our keys to that hotel and we're all gonna get an upgrade to reside in the kingdom of heaven forever that's good news until then we might suffer for our own benefit we might suffer for god's glory and we might suffer for reasons that we may never know but what we do know is that it conforms us to christ it completes us it produces our hope and it will not last forever So hang in there. Hang in there together. Once again, thank you for listening to the Redeemer Church podcast. To stay connected to all that God is doing here at Redeemer, visit our website at RedeemerTulsa.org or connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Have a blessed week.